What is your identity? How do you view yourself and how do you present yourself to others? Perhaps your identity is based on a relationship. You're the oldest child. You're the youngest child. You're a middle child. You're an only child. You're a parent. You have children. You're single. You're married. You wish you were married. Perhaps your identity is based on the kind of work that you do. You're a healthcare professional. You're an educational assistant. You're part of the service industry. You're a financial advisor. You're a police officer. You're a retired police officer. Perhaps your identity is based on your personality. You're intense. You're serious. You're funny. Life of the party. You talk to everyone you meet. You're thoughtful. You're reserved. What is your identity? And there can be value with all these different identities that I've mentioned. However, God is calling us. God is inviting us to a more foundational, more comprehensive, more powerful identity. An identity in Jesus Christ. What is your identity? And you present that identity transparently to everyone you meet, or, just a second here. I don't know where Paul's going. Maybe he'll come back later. Whoa. Do you try to hide your identity? <laughs> to conceal who you really are? Perhaps you're worried about showing others your true self. So you hide behind some kind of mask, some kind of disguise. Hopefully not as ridiculous as this one. But God is inviting us. God is calling us to not only embrace our identity in Christ, but, ouch, to reveal it to others. God is asking us to reveal our identity, to give witness, to give testimony by our words and our actions to the transforming love of Jesus in our lives, to share the truth of what we have experienced, the power, the hope, the rescue, the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. What is your identity? Do you know Jesus? And if you do, do you embrace and give witness to your identity? In Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We have a new identity in Christ. When we choose to follow Jesus, we embrace a new identity. The old 
has gone. The new is here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses, says Jesus. We give witness to our identity in Christ. We give witness to the love and the new life that we have in Jesus. God doesn't want us to put on a disguise. I promise this is the last time I'll do this. God doesn't want this though, but I'm still gonna go ahead for the sake of making a point. No, we're not supposed to hide who we are. Don't do it. Don't put on a disguise. We're not supposed to conceal what God is doing in our lives. Don't hide your light. Let others know. Let it shine. Ouch, that one still hurt. Reveal, reveal, don't conceal. Reveal. Don't conceal. Let others know who you are in Jesus. If that's who you are, if you're a child of the Most High God, part of God's forever family, give witness. Give witness to God's amazing story of hope, rescue, and transformation in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose victorious from the grave. Give witness. Know who you are and give witness to all that you are and have in Jesus. And if you haven't experienced what I'm talking about, if you don't have an identity in Jesus, you can choose today here, you can choose to follow Jesus. To turn from your old life where you've pushed God to the side and choose a new life with God, believing in, committing to, following Jesus. Then you'll be able to say, the old has gone, the new is here. Let's look again at the list of our church's core values. Here's a list of all six, there we go, of our core values. These are great. It's what we, what we stand for, what we embrace, what we seek to live out. Transformative prayer, prophetic worship, joyful obedience, radical generosity, mutual hospitality, missional equipping. Last week, Ellie gave a clear and powerful message about joyful obedience. And this week, it's missional equipping. And I'm connecting it to our identity in Christ, our identity in Jesus. And I have a statement for you this morning to think about. It's okay if you don't completely agree with me. I can handle that. Maybe you have an emphasis somewhere else. But this is what I think 
A missional church is built by making disciples who embrace and give witness to their collective identity in Christ. How do we equip for mission? How do we do this? By making disciples. By making disciples. Disciples who know who they are and what they're capable of doing in Christ. We go, we take action and make disciples, and these disciples will go and make other disciples, and we will understand, embrace, and give witness to our collective identity in Jesus Christ. Not in our strength, but by the power of the Spirit, and not so others will look on us, but so that God the Father will have all the glory. I'd like to read through the full description, I think it's worthwhile doing this, of our core value of missional equipping, and then I'd like to talk a bit more about our collective identity in Christ. And I realize that we're just scratching the surface of these topics this morning. The journey will continue. So here's the description of missional equipping. Every person, every person is called to participate in the mission of God. Young and old, rich and poor, men and women, single and married, working and retired, all play an equal and important role in the kingdom of God and our church. I love that word, equal. Equal and important. We pursue a non-hierarchical, egalitarian, and mutual structure which encourages and helps equip every person to be ministers of God in their neighborhoods, families, and workplaces as they discover how the kingdom of God permeates every area of life. Your identity in Christ affects every area of your life. We are all ministers. We are all called to give witness to those around us in our neighborhood, in our family, where we work. Just when we're out shopping in the community, although my wife does most of the shopping, so maybe that doesn't apply as much to me. But sure it does. We're all called to give witness. And the last part, we gather weekly in order to be sent out into the world by the Spirit to share the good news and witness to God's power, love, and reign in our world. And we have on the doorway the, the church gathered and the church scattered. It's not just about what we do here today. There's so much more. We're called to be witnesses. Let's go back to the first part of the description of missional equipping. Every person is called to participate in the mission of God. Young and old, rich and poor, men and women, single and married, working and retired, all play an equal and important role in the kingdom of God and in our church. 
This reminds me of the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, where the church is, to me, amazingly and somewhat mysteriously described as the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Remember, the church is not a building. It's not the building. It's people. We are the church. Us, we who follow Jesus. And we're described as the body of Christ. What a powerful collective identity. Verse 27 reads, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you. So our identity in Christ is not individualistic. It's a group identity that together we are the body of Christ. In John 15, 5, we read that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Not just random branches lying around everywhere, but branches that are connected to the same vine. 1 Peter 2.9 also speaks to our collective identity. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Let's just pause there. God's special possession. Next time somebody tells you you don't matter, it's a lie. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His glorious light. Our identity compels us to declare God's praises as we understand and embrace all that we are in Christ. We can't help but praise God. We can't help but witness to God's amazing goodness. We are His people. The body of Christ. A body where all are equally important. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 20. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Isn't that incredible? God's placed us just as he wanted us to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? That, that wouldn't be good, right? You don't want like 200 Pauls running around. That'd be like crazy. That'd be madness. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. One body. And if you read the whole passage in 1 Corinthians 12, there's humor to me. I see it as humorous. Um, before and after those verses, there's like a foot worried about, you know, the foot. Oh, I'm worried. I'm not a hand. It's, uh, yeah, oh well. And the ear's upset because it's not an eye. And then the eye's talking to the hand like, yeah, I'm better than you. Oh, why do you say things like that? Anyway, so like it goes on, but it's trying to make a point. 
that every person is equally important. It's just so silly if you don't see that. It's silly. Like, we're all equally important. These verses talk about people. People that are different from each other, but people that are all valuable, all important, valuable to God, but also valuable to each other, designed by God for specific purposes, and yet also designed to go on mission together as one. We've been uniquely designed by the master craftsman. We are beautiful, valuable, precious. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Genesis 1.31, not pretty good, but oh, I guess it'll do. It was very good. God's creation is very good. We are God's handiwork. Ephesians 2.10, we are made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, and we read in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. The new creation. We are alive in Christ. Alive, not dead, alive. This is who we are, we who follow Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10 Jesus offers abundant, eternal life. In John 10.11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave his life for you and for me. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead three days later. Jesus conquered death. And Jesus offers us abundant, eternal life. Jesus offers us a new identity. Will you accept? I'll ask the music team to come back up. As mentioned before, today is the first Sunday of Lent. And we prepare for Easter. The events of Christ's death and resurrection. And it is time. It's time to lay other things aside. It's time to repent. It's time to believe. It's time to follow. Romans 10, verses 8 and 9, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Could we take a moment together to be still, to pray, to lay aside the, the cares of this world, to realize that God is here. God is here with us. God is here filling us. And there's this person, Jesus, fully God yet fully human, sent on mission from the Father, sent on mission to restore, to redeem, to renew, to find who is lost and reach out to them and offer them a hand. Maybe today you're ready. Maybe today you're ready to reach out your hand and embrace Jesus, to claim your identity in Jesus, to claim your freedom in Jesus, to claim your victory in Jesus. Maybe today is the day you start your life in Jesus, your abundant, eternal life. And you can say, the old is gone. The new is here. The new is here. I want to give you the opportunity to invite you if you're willing this is completely up to you. No one can force you to do this. It's an act of your free will to choose Jesus. You can pray a prayer like this. It doesn't have to be these exact words. God knows you. He loves you. He loves you so much, and he made you, and he wants the best for you. So if you're willing, you can pray a prayer with me. Father in heaven, I admit that I've sinned, that I've done things that are wrong, and I've shut you out of my life, and I'm very sorry. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. I choose Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus no matter what. I embrace my identity in Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord, my King. Thank you. Thank you, Father God, for this gift of abundant, eternal life in Jesus. And if you did pray that prayer, you can still be thinking about it. You may pray that during the last song and make sure to tell someone. You can tell me, you can tell someone else. Let's just take another moment now.
to be still before God. Perhaps you've already chosen to follow Jesus, but you know there's more. You've been hiding who you really are. You've been putting on some kind of mask or disguise. And now you want to fully embrace your identity in Jesus Christ. You want to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. I love you. I trust you. I'm not perfect. I won't be perfect on this earth. But I know you've forgiven me. And I want to move forward with you. I want to do things differently. You can pray to God right now. He hears you. He sees you. He knows your heart. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and its power and your plans. Father, and it's honestly really relaxing to know that sometimes it doesn't have very much to do with us. I just pray that we could trust you more and that we could grow in you more and that we could embrace our identity together as a church in Jesus. Father, that you would continue to transform us, to change lives, to heal things that are broken, to straighten roads that are crooked, to restore those who are grieving, to find the lost. Father, help us to reach out in practical ways to those in our church, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our own families, and to do this not in our strength, but in your strength. And so today, Father, very humbly, we ask and we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.